So over the last several weeks, we've been looking at these opening seven verses of Paul's greeting to the Roman Christians. And and last week, we looked at uh, the child of God being called by God to belong to Jesus Christ, uh, that those who are truly in Christ are beloved of God, loved by God. We looked at verses talking about the love of God uh, toward his children. Uh, I want to read just a couple, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. According to the good pleasure of his will. Can anything thwart the hand of God? Nothing. Nothing. Can a virus? No. No. Can cancer? No. No. Can can an unstable financial market? Can uncertainty about the future thwart the hand of God? Because does God use these type of things? Yes, He does. Yes, He does. Read the book of James. We went through the book of James. Trials come for a purpose, don't they? To, to help us understand <laughs> the strength is not our own. Our source of strength is Him. And, and, and anytime something like this happens, oh, it should make the child of God all the more look to Him. Look to Him and say, Lord, help us, help us, help us to learn what we need to learn in the midst of what you are allowing to happen around us. Romans 8, verses 29 and 30. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. It's as if it has already been completed from beginning to end. And we are in the process. Can I say it that way? We are in the process. We're not yet finished here on this earth. The Lord still has all of us here for his plans and his purposes. But someday, all of it, all of it, we will be glorified one day together with him, accepted in the beloved, chosen before the foundation of the world, called to belong to Jesus, born of God, called saints. Child of God, do you know you're a saint? And I understand. I understand because of Roman Catholic theology, saint does not have the biblical meaning that it should have. It doesn't. It doesn't. But every born-again believer is a saint. Not because of good works that we've done, not been because we've been venerated by the Pope, not because we, we have a statue in a place where someone can go and light a candle and, and we're up in heaven as a saint interceding prayers. That's Jesus' job. No, we're saints because 
He has called us saints. That's that's why. And so so today I want us to look at at, at two things uh, that's remaining in these uh, verses, at least that I think is all we're going to be looking at uh, before we move on to verse eight. Uh, that uh, uh, called uh, called saints or uh, called to be saints, and then. Uh, Peace from God. That's the two things we're going to be looking at today. So first, let's look at called to be saints. Now, in the King James Version, in the New King James Version, in the ESV, it translates this as called to be saints. In the NASB, it reads called as saints. Now, let's see. Go back and put uh, that Romans 1 where it's got the verse 7. I don't know if, if in the midst of, uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't do the, if you've got your Bible there, if you look, does anyone have their Bible open there to Romans 1? Does it have uh, 2B, I don't know which version you got, is it in italics, those two little words? And you understand why, anytime you see words in italics, you understand what that is? That That's words that, it's not in the original Greek, it's it's has been been added supposedly to give clarity of thought um, to what is being said because sometimes if you just read literally the Greek sometimes in our English thinking it 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 gets a little convoluted and, and so they the translators inserted certain words to to help uh, bring clarity but but the words to be and NESB as is not in the original Greek. And uh, sometimes these added words obscure the true meaning. And, and I think that in this case, it kind of blurs it a little bit. And here's, here's why I'm going to say that. Uh, do, do you see the difference in if you read called saints and called to be saints? Do you, do you see a difference there and, and you may say, preacher, uh, not really, not really. Well, called to be saints could give the impression that this is something to come later, couldn't it? And that, that's the only reason I'm, reason I'm bringing this up. Called to be saints could mean future, somewhere down the road. Born again, child of God, you're going to be called a saint. But that's not biblical. That thinking is not biblical because from the moment of regeneration, from the moment of our our salvation, a moment of conversion, we are saints before God. You see, so so I, that's the only reason I bring that up. It's just just to perhaps put a little bit of clarity into that. But because see, there's a new name for the redeemed. Once called sinners, now called saints. Now called saints. I like how Donald Barnhouse, I was reading his commentary, he, he said this, the difference between a saint and a sinner is the Savior. That's good, isn't it? The, the difference between a saint and a sinner is the Savior. And that's so very true. Because be, becoming a saint is having come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Having been made holy, having been made righteous. And I'm just going to talk just to, for a moment that the Greek word translated saint is hagios. I didn't study Greek. 
I've told you this before, but I can go to commentaries and, and I can read uh, the, the, the Greek dictionaries and those things. And, and so the Greek word translated saint is hagios, and it means set apart, holy, sanctified one. And in the King James Version, I didn't have a, a, a Strong's that's in any other version. It's only in the King James Version. And, and it told me that, that, that hagios is translated saint or saint 62 times in the Bible and is translated holy 168 times. And, and then, uh, you know, I said it meant to sanctified one. That's because sanctified or any form of uh, sanctify comes from the same root word. And when it says root word, if uh, saint is hagios, then sanctified. I didn't put the word down, but it's either hagiosmus or something. It adds a little bit to the end of it. So it's all from the same root. Sanctified, holy, set apart. So, brothers and sisters, do you feel yourself or think of yourself Holy. <laughs> we are, but, but do we think? Do we think we are? But, because we all know ourselves, don't we? We, we know ourselves. And, and you may be sitting there thinking, wow, I'm, I'm not sure I can call myself holy. And, and why would we think that? Because we do know ourselves. Because perhaps we're convicted about we know ourselves and we know how we've been acting. And we know we've not been acting and responding in a holy manner. That we're not always living as the saint that we are, that, that we are. I don't need to add anything to that, do I? We're not living as the saint we are. Not living as we ought to live. But if we are born again, we have been made holy in Christ Jesus. Amen? We have been made holy in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10.10, by that will, and again, this is the will of God, by the will of God, by that will, we have been sanctified, made holy. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The born-again believer has been made holy, sanctified, how? Through Christ, through the work of the cross. Uh, Verse 14 in Hebrews 10. For by one offering, He, Jesus Christ our Lord, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. See, we have been made holy through the offering of Jesus Christ, perfected forever, made holy by His blood, by His sacrifice, and Jesus Christ will one day present us before God the Father. You probably know what I'm getting ready to say. Holy, blameless, and what? Above reproach. Let's read it. I, I, we read this quite often. Colossians 1 verses 19 through 22. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him were the things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of His cross And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now this will all be actual someday, but it's real today. 
for the child of God. Consider holiness this way. Consider holiness as a positional reality. Can I say it that way? Holiness for the child of God, for the born-again believer, is a positional reality. Being made holy is not a matter of our good works. So, so listen, so listen. As Christians, we should live holy lives, amen, because we are, we have been saved by grace for good works that He has laid out before us even. So the child of God is, is made for good works and to live holy lives, but as Christians, holy living does not make us holy. Jesus Christ has made us holy. It's not anything that we have done or can do that has made us a saint. See, the Catholics have it backwards. Do you see that? They've got it backwards. Because to become a saint, you have to do some miracle or be martyred. I didn't read too much of it. I didn't want to clog myself up with a bunch of that stuff. But you had to do these things and then... Uh, the, the Pope or a council, I don't know, is it a council or is it just the Pope can look at these things and, and proclaim or advance or veneration, venerate them to this position because of what they had done to be a saint. But in Christ, we start out a saint upon regeneration. So, so the two things are opposed. They're just backwards from what the Bible says. Let me read this again. As Christians, we should live holy lives, but holy living does not make us holy. Jesus Christ has made us holy. Now I'm going to read. There might not be a Sunday go by during this whole series from Romans that I don't read something from Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'm just telling you that. And so here, let I just want to read. Uh, Martin Lowe joins, put it this way. Every Christian is a saint. In Christ, he has been set apart by God for God. He may lead an unworthy life. He may fall into sin. He may be a babe in Christ. He may be very ignorant. Nevertheless, he is a saint. See, if, if you're born again, you're a saint. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Let me keep going. He no longer belongs to this world. He no longer belongs to that realm because of his new nature, because of this effectual call. He is in a different position. To be a Christian means that we have been put into this new realm, taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. We are a saint in that sense, end quote. It's true. Amen. It's true taken out of darkness, translated in the kingdom of of light, uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 
He has called us out of darkness. We, we talk of this probably quite often. Every one of us wants darkness, but he has called us. That's that call. That's a, that effectual call of God upon his chosen. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why? 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 That we might praise him. That we might praise him. That his, a holy nation, his own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. You see that? Why are we here to proclaim praises to him who has saved us? Who has called us out of darkness? Uh, Let me read a little more, Lloyd-Jones. I do not make myself a saint. I am made a saint. I have been separated. Because I realize that I am a saint, I must live as a saint. Let's, let's not let this pass by. That this is tr- this is true, because I realize I am a saint. I must live as a saint. But as we struggle so often against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and as the devil tempts us to think that we are not Christians at all, let me pause there a minute. Ever happened to you? Am I even a Christian? Yeah. And as the devil tempts us to think that we are not Christians at all or that we become a, become Christians as a result of our, or that we become Christians as the result of our own efforts, oh, let us at such times remember what we are told here about ourselves. Beloved of God, called saints in Christ. We are saints separated, set apart, for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have become His possession. We are what we are, not because of our goodness, not because of our lives, not because of anything in us. It all comes from the love of God, that everlasting, inscrutable love. Whatever made Him look at us? There's a good question right there. Oh, see, see, that should knock any pride out of the child of God. Just ask yourself, whatever made him look at me and call me? It all comes from the love of God, that everlasting, inscrutable love. Whatever made him look upon us? Why? We don't know. It is amazing. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. While we were sinners and aliens, that was when he did it. (laughs) Beloved of God, called saints, that is what we are. End quote. That's good. It's a good reminder. It's a good reminder for me. (laughs) He said it's amazing. And it is amazing grace, amazing love. Sometimes we'll sing that little chorus. uh, Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Let's sing it one more time. Amazing love. 
How can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. See that? that, that that's that's our. Isn't that our purpose? To to give him glory, to give him honor, to give him praise, to to the one who has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. You know that, that Psalms one hundred seven first two verses kept coming to my mind as I was thinking about that. Psalms 107, verses 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Are we to be silent, child of God? No, we are to proclaim the praises of His glory. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He has made us saints and have made us in Christ holy, blameless, above reproach. Amen? Made us saints and we have received peace from God. As Paul said, peace from God. For for those who are in Christ, for those who have been saved by grace through faith, we have peace with God. And through the years, I've talked about this very thing, and I think it's a good reminder for us to go back and to look about this. Uh, and, and I want to start very basic. Who came to bring peace? Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. That's, that's good lyric, isn't it? Talking of the incarnation. Christ, Christ, Christ came. Uh, Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. In, in Luke 1, uh, Zacharias tells of the peace that was to come with the appearance of, of Christ, whom his son John, John the Baptist, was to proceed and to introduce. So in Luke 1, verses 76 through 79. And you, child, and he's, he's talking with son, John, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That, that verse 79, that's a great verse, isn't it? It's, it's why came, why Christ came. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the way of peace. 
He came to bring light. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus talked about himself being light. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus brought light into darkness. So we sing sometimes that song, light of the world, you came down into darkness. You see, he set their feet on the way of peace. We were all once darkness. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins, but he made us alive to walk in newness of life with him. In Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, talking of peace. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. There's a great statement right there. Having been justified by faith, this is those who are born again, redeemed believers, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, Paul says here in Romans 5 that we as Christians have peace with God. And so what does this peace with God mean? And again, as as I talked about the saint, that being identity, our, our position, also with this peace with God, also our relationship and our identity. It means that we're no longer enemies. If we're at peace with God, we're no longer enemies. We're saved from wrath. If we're at peace with God, then we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If we're having peace with God, we have been adopted as sons and daughters of God the Father. We have fellowship in Him, knowing that our eternal destiny is secure and safe in Him. And every born-again believer has this peace with God. It's our standing. It's our identity. It's our eternal position. That at the moment of our salvation, we're immediately brought into this peace with God. And just back in that Colossians 1, just verses 19 and 20, again, For it pleased the Father that in Him, in His Son, all the fullness should dwell, and by Him, by Christ, to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him were the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. So Jesus Christ came, the Prince of Peace, so that we might have peace with God. Provided the way of peace through the work of the cross. Ephesians 2 verses 13 through 19. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our, what? Peace. Christ is our peace. For He Himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who We're near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, 
but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In Christ. In Christ. There is no partiality. There is no Jew or Greek or this one or that one or that one. All, there's only one way. It's Jesus Christ. All through Him, He has made peace. For those in Christ, those who have been brought near by the blood of Christ, we have peace with God. That is our identity. That is our standing. And we know this, child of God, it is secure. It can never be taken away. Amen? Never be taken away. It is kept by the power of God. And as soon as I say that, where am I going? First Peter, First Peter 3 through 5. Kept by the power of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy, His great mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are being kept by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Aren't you glad, brothers and sisters, we don't have to keep ourselves saved? Aren't you thankful? We're being kept by the power of God. And what can thwart His hand? Oh, nothing, 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 nothing. In John 10, verses 27 through 29, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them, what? Eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? In Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Oh, you know these verses. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than, more than, more than conquerors, how? Through Him who loved us. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Child of God, put yourself in the verse. What shall separate me from the love of God? Put yourself in the verse. Some will call this the doctrine of the security of the believer or perseverance of the saints. But every true believer, born again, child of God, has been granted eternal life. They've not been granted life until they mess up and it's taken away from them. And then they've got to start the process again. I grew up in a church that's kind of like that. That's what they taught. It's part of their actual doctrine in their doctrine usage book. There's no peace in, in serving the Lord like that. 
knowing that at any moment you sin, driving up the highway 55 miles an hour, in a 45, you have a wreck and kill yourself, you is breaking the law, you're gone. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad to, to have a salvation that is the, the love of God no better than something like that? But he has given to his children eternal life. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 5 verse 24 Verse assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. John 6 verse 40 And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. Drop down to verse 47 in John 6. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. John 11. Is is there a pattern here? (laughs) Yes. Jesus said to her, John 11, verse 25, 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever dies and believes in me shall never die. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 1 John 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? That will give us confidence. And did you notice? I didn't look. I think in every one of those, yes, believe in every one of those verses we just read in connection with everlasting life. Everlasting life is for believers, not unbelievers. It's for believers. And there, there's, it's the, it's the question again, isn't it? Do you believe? Do you believe? John 1, verses 12, and 13. But as many as received him, the Lord, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. See, see, not born of a family bloodline. Because, because listen, just because mom and dad are Christians doesn't automatically make you one. Right? doesn't automatically make you one. And it's also not a national heritage. Well, I'm, I was born in America, and they say we're a Christian nation, so yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a Christian. There's people that say that. No. No, it's not of a national heritage. You see, there's a lot of national Jews who are counting on this one. But their heritage is not going to get them to heaven. It's only Jesus Christ. You know, a national heritage doesn't make you a Christian. And then, nor the will of the flesh, not, not of any man-made religion, and plug in whatever false religion you want to right there. It's not by those. None of these things, but rather it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's only Him.
It's only Him. To be born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, born of God. Eternal life comes to faith in Jesus Christ by calling upon Him in faith, by believing the work of the cross, by confessing our sin and following Him. Let's read Romans 10 that we read so often. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is saved from wrath, saved from the judgment of unbelievers. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord in faith, believing in the completed work of Jesus Christ, will be saved. That's a promise of God, promise in His Word. And they will have eternal life. For all who call in faith. See, Jesus Christ died on the cross that we might be saved to the uttermost. Saved forever. That we might have peace with God. That we might have a right standing with Him. See, that is peace with God. That is that right standing. That is that position with Him. And if you are born again, you have peace with God. That's your identity. Now, do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope you do. Now, I want to talk about another kind of peace. Oh, there's more? Can you stay with me a little while? Because... This will bring life application to today. Okay? So, so stay with me here. Let's go to Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. See, there's another kind of peace, a peace that comes by our daily living and believing in the truth of God's Word. Uh, here it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Did you know, child of God, the Lord is always near? He's always near. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's always near. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Plug in your own situation. You know, Brian read that from C.S. Lewis this morning. We could plug, be anxious for nothing. Not a virus, not anything. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't leave out the thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I know this is a small thing, but I think I think there's something here. We talked about having peace with God. That's our position. That's our identity. That's our standing. But here Paul is talking about we can have the peace of God with us right now to live by, to give us confidence for the day, the peace of God. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference, preacher? You're being picky here. Well, here, now listen. Are you listening? Say amen. To be at peace with God brings heavenly security. This is our identity. To be at peace with God brings heavenly security. 
This is our identity. To have the peace of God brings earthly stability. Will it not? If we're, if we're leaning on the Lord and, and not trusting our own understanding, won't, won't it make us more stable and not be tossed by every wind or every wave of whatever may come? See, to have the peace of God brings earthly stability. This is our walk. The peace of God is life. The, the peace of God is the life application part of our having peace with God. Does that make sense? Is that a good way to say that? The peace of God is the life application part of our having peace with God. So, so having peace with God, being saved to the uttermost, does not take all the trials and tribulations out of this life, does it? No, it doesn't. And it's the peace of God that enables us to have a calm assurance in the midst of the storms of life. And I pray you understand what I'm saying. Every Christian, every true believer has peace with God. That's our identity. But not every believer has the peace of God in their daily walk. And that's truth. Not every Christian has the peace of God, peace in their walk. Because Paul tells us in Colossians 3 verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts. We, we must let this peace rule. And, and how does that happen? How can I have peace on earth? Because I've talked to people who say they're born again. They say they're Christians. So I, I just... I just don't have peace. I just don't have peace. I'm just always, I'm always, uh, I'm fearful and anxious and, and I have no peace. Well, why? Well, they're not trusting what God says. Not trusting His Word. Completely and fully rely on God. Be at rest in Him. Trusting that the Word of God is true, that His promises are true. Believe the Word, trust the Word, and obey the Word, and you will have peace. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust Him. Obey Him. Let's go ahead and read that Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Many of you have this committed to memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Let me pause there for a minute because my understanding will take me down a wrong path. How about yours? My understanding will get me looking at things in a way that I shouldn't be looking at. See, my understanding has deceived me quite often. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge who? Him. The Lord. Acknowledge Him. And He shall what? Read it. Direct your paths. And do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Why are there times when we're not at peace in our daily walk? (laughs) I believe that at that time, at that moment of lack of peace or that moment of fear, worry or anxiety, that, that we're just walking alone. We're trusting in our own understanding. We're not acknowledging Him. Well, we are called to look to God at all times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
in all your ways acknowledge him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Do we trust him? Do we? Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. You know, stick in whatever you're facing there for that word heat and will not fear when coronavirus comes. Will not fear when, plug it in, when it comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Psalms 56, I, I, I love this, uh, verse 3 and 4. Whenever I am afraid, now I'm going to pause there a minute. As you start out with a verse like that, and you go, wait a minute, we're not supposed to worry, we're not supposed to fear. We're, we're, wait a minute, whenever I'm afraid, let me tell you, you're not exempt from momentary fear. I'll guarantee you that. I'll guarantee you that it's something in your life is going to overwhelm you with what I hope will be just momentary fear. A, a tragedy, a calamity, some news that comes on the TV that will may cause us to step back. Whoa, it, it will come. And here's the verse that tells us what to do. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. And I said, momentary. And I pray that it's momentary. I pray that once, once we've, we've had a moment to kind of settle ourselves in the midst of whatever that has caused us to fear that, that very, very soon we can get our gaze back to the Lord and not to what has caused us to fear. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His Word. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? What can a virus do to me? What can an atomic bomb do to me? Well, it could take our life. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What did Paul say? For me to die is gain. You know, and I don't, I know we got youngers, younger ones in here, but not so. Uh, we know from birth till it's over, we're his. And at any point along that line, may we keep remembering that we're his, we're his, we're his, regardless of what happens here on this earth. Look to God at all times. Trust him with our whole heart. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear. How about Joshua 1.9? Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
See, that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came that we might have peace with God and also that in this life we may walk in peace. See, he doesn't want us to walk in fear while we're here on this earth. Oh, that we could trust him, that we could walk in peace and, and trust his word. John 16, verse 33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have what? Peace. Jesus said, I've, I've told you all these things so that you can have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. Oh, man. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. These things I have spoken to you that in me, in the Lord, you may have peace. Troubles will come. You know, we sang it this morning. Trials will come. But this blessed assurance I have, it is well with my soul. Because I'm in Christ. Because I have peace with God. Because He has called me saint. How about Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4? Can we read a few more? Stay with me now. You will keep Him. Who's the Him? That's me and you. Who's the you? That's the Lord. The Lord, you, the Lord will keep Him. That's me and you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, stayed on the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, fixed on you. Why? Because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Uh, Do you always believe that the Lord is your refuge and fortress? Always should. We should. And should we ever forget and write down Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2. Go back and read it and read it and read it. Commit it to memory. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God and Him I will trust. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Sing it again. Jesus, Jesus, How I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him 
more. Because as we, as we have grace to trust Him more, we can have, those who have peace with God can have the peace of God rule in their heart on this earth. Regardless of what may come. Regardless of what may come. Psalm 64 verse 10. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in Him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. In Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope how, how, how can we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Can't conjure it up of ourselves. Don't, I, I hope in the midst of all this, you, that's understood. We don't pull ourselves up by our own bootstrap. We don't do this of ourselves. This is all through the, those who are born again, those who have peace with God. And so it's all through the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting Him. Remember that as a born-again believer, we are at peace with God and we can walk in the peace of God through whatever comes in this life. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your word and just ask, Lord, that should there be one that would listen to this sermon who is yet outside of having peace with you, that they are still enemies. They're outside the covenant of promise. That, Lord, you would have mercy. That that you would draw them close to yourself. That you would shine light into a dark place. That their dungeon would flame with light. That they might see you. And Lord, when a sinner comes to see you, we have no other recourse than to fall before you because we recognize that we are a sinner before a most holy God. And Lord, grant them faith that they might believe and receive Christ repenting of their sins, turning from their sins and following you. Lord, grant them faith. All that they may have hope beyond this life. And Father, help your children. Oh Lord, help me, help us all. Lord, that we could trust you more. That regardless of the situations of life that come, all that we could look to you and that we could walk in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.